the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Hello to you and you and you. John Stewart, sarcastic critic of Wall Street politics and media, is signing off tonight. I think... Uh, there was a point in time where I saw studies that most Americans uh, under the age of 35 were getting their news, headline news, from either Stephen Colbert or Jon Stewart. We're going to miss Jon Stewart. He had to be funny to you. Um, I, I won't start a fist fight with you if you, you're like, I didn't like him one bit. But he was terribly likable, I think, by everyone. So I'm going to be a little bit sad to see him go. And again, you're saying, this is my opinion, and I'm not trying to, like, get everyone to tune in tonight. You know, Dave Letterman was super important to me. John Stewart was super important to a lot of people. Not me. But uh, he kind of redefined news, and I certainly think he uh, he took people to task that should be taken to task. And I think he was very much so the voice of a lot of people out there um, who are frustrated with Wall Street, who are frustrated with politicians, who are frustrated with news coverage. Um, the idea of sitting down and watching, you know, nightly network news, I'll never do it. I'd much rather watch Jon Stewart skewer the news because I think we're all kind of sarcastic in our hearts at this point in time. I mean, I may be giving him a little bit too much, but I, maybe not. Um, he burned Wall Street. He burned politicians. Uh, he took Jim Cramer to task. Unfortunately, like he would also then play nice with these very same people. Because uh, to me, you know, the skewering shouldn't have stopped there. He's 52 years old. This is an investment tied towards Viacom. The Daily Show and Comedy Central 16 years ago. Um, the company's trust in media and the government's plummeted in the last 20 years, and he's kind of the face of that, in my opinion. 
So he took over Comedy Central's late night slot. He replaced Craig Kilborn, also known as the Craigers. The show was on a little watch cable network, about 350,000 viewers a night. That number grew year after year after year. And as an investor, you have to look at a Viacom and go, what's this mean? And as an investor, you have to say, where's Jon Stewart going to go next? Could he launch a show on Apple TV? Yeah. Could Howard Stern jump from Sierra Satellite Radio to Apple TV? Yeah. And I think you're going to see companies like Apple and Google become power players in the in the Apple, Google, Netflix become very much so power players. Uh, you know, Chelsea Handler left Comedy Central and she's starting a show on Netflix. Uh, what's it like to work for Netflix and Amazon? From what I've heard, it's pretty incredible. They don't offer you notes. They don't tell you what to do. So artists like... John Stewart can create art and not have to say, okay, I have to play by the network standards and do this and that. Um, John Oliver was brilliant on Comedy Central. I think he's beyond brilliant. He's genius on HBO where he doesn't have to play by the rules. So things change. Um, and I, I say that again and again and again. And I know sometimes you probably think I, I'm a broken record, but your investments have to change too. So when you see someone like a John Stewart signing off, uh, I hope you see the importance of it. I hope you see that you know there was a major change in the world during that period of his career. Elsewhere out there, there's a surge in U.S. car recalls. Do we have a problem with car recalls? It certainly feels like it to me. There's year over year the numbers get bigger and bigger. Are our cars that unsafe? Like, are we driving deathmobiles? I guess so, according to all the recalls. A um, couple other stories of note today. Michael Coors, stock up 12% on better than expected profit and revenue. What a difference three months can make for the past several quarters of disappointing. You know, you got double-digit percentage increase. I look at things like Michael Coors and maybe even things like Coach, maybe things like Kate Spade, as they've got a time, it's a ticking time bomb. But there's a lot of upside by holding that ticking time bomb, as long as you're not holding it when the party ends. Maybe it's, maybe instead of saying ticking time bomb, maybe it's the, what was the game where you walk around in chairs and one gets taken away when the music stops? Musical chairs, uh, how, how did I not know that? Um, but when you're dealing with a Michael Kors, Kate Spade, a coach, I remember 15 years ago, I made a lot of money in a company called Coach, a lot of money, trading it, um, investing it in it for like a year. That's not an investment. It's a trade. So an investment is I'm going to buy Disney today or tomorrow. I'm going to own it for 10 years, 15 years. I'm going to give it to my kids. I'm going to have it give it to my kids, kids. I'm going to own it forever. But when you buy purses, when you invest in purses, you probably should be pretty aware that yeah, you probably don't want to own them forever. Um, they're sometimes style-driven. So I was at a seminar speech that I was given in Portland 15 years ago, and I said, here's some stocks that I own. And I said, I own, you know, Coach, because uh, it's a $400 purse, and they change their fashions regularly, so women keep going to their stores to see new fashions and new colors and $400. 
and it's got to be a coach bag. Like if you got your wife a coach bag, she was, she would be happy with you on your anniversary. She would say, you are the, my star husband. I'm going to give you, you know, passion and a back rub tonight. Like you won't, couldn't imagine you got me a coach bag. It's better than lingerie. It's a coach bag. But now coach is like me. It's like me. Now it has to be a Kate Spade bag or a Michael Kors bag. And a couple of years from now, it's both of those names are going to be incredibly uh, dated. So just know that sometimes you invest in things that their shelf life isn't forever. It, it'll age like milk. And when it's bad, it's, it's vile. AMC Networks. You could invest in zombies. They reported better than expected results. They've got an inclusion in BBC America. The company's channel offerings help to boost revenue. The operator of the namesake AMC Independent Film Channel, BBC America, said strength in its national networks drove a 41% profit increase in the latest quarter. The thing that I fear with AMC Networks is both the cord cutters, which, again, when you have a hit show like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, you can get through it. But the cord cutters fear me a little bit, but also they're hit-driven. And, for instance, The Walking Dead's getting ready to start a new show called Fear the Walking Dead. And it's going to be set in L.A. versus the current one, which is kind of set in the South. Um, I don't know if I have the bandwidth for another one. And I don't know if America has the bandwidth. How many zombie shows do we need? Apparently more. Got to have more zombie shows because we're not going to SeaWorld. Attendance is down at SeaWorld despite massive discounts. The company offered promotions to try to get people in. They launched a marketing campaign to improve their reputation, but they got a brand challenge at this point in time, especially you know in California, where I think we want whales to live in the ocean, maybe not in captivity. Especially when we see a dead whale on the beach. Ooh. They, they deserve to be out in the ocean. So try to study what you invest in. And I think it's a, the greatest thing in the world. I love my job, and I thank you for listening to the show and letting me have this job. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. There's some stocks that have come public this year, two that come to mind, GoPro and Fitbit that I kind of want you to be a little bit cautious on. Um, they're sexy stocks. They're, they're attractive. You know, you'll hear phrases like, Fitbit is the first company to come into the market that 
changes the way you live. Uh, shares trade at nearly $40 a share today, down 10%. The valuation doesn't look enticing. Specifically, it has a price-to-sales ratio of about 6 or 7 for 2015 revenue. That's not egregious, given its strong fundamentals and its growth, but it's certainly not cheap, so it, you, you put some risk into that profile. You know, it's momentum money. You know, oh, I missed GoPro's big run-up. I better get Fitbits. And I get how you can think like that, but very dangerous. I own a Fitbit. I like Fitbit. I feel sexy with a Fitbit at the gym, which, for the record, uh, I've told you my, my workout at the gym. Typically, I find, like, the person in the best shape, and I copy what they're doing. And I, some days I do stretching. Some days I do weights. Some days I do Stairmaster. Some days, like... I know it's ridiculous, but it seems to work for me. Um, but Fitbit's kind of sexy, right? It's generating positive cash flow, balance sheet's debt-free. It's got a healthy amount of cash. It's spending right now on a lot on advertising in relationships with companies like ESPN. Um, there's some lawsuits out there tied towards them. Like, you need to, like, compile a story, and you have to find something negative as well. Um, I've got beautiful skin, um, I got some slightly weak core. Like, I can tell you some of my strengths and my weaknesses. Fitbit's the maker of six wearable connected devices. Some of the devices are wrist-based, usually. Some are clippable. All the devices are capable of tracking steps. Um, I got a little suspicious when, you know, I added, like, almost 400 steps the other day while I was driving. I'm like, Fitbit's not perfect. It's measuring sleep duration and quality. Um, it's tracking heart rate, GPS-based information, speed, distance, exercise routes. It syncs with a smartphone. It's not just a device maker. It also generates revenue through premium subscription offerings, such as Fitbit Premium, a virtual trainer. Fitstar, which provides interactive video. So you have to like learn to compare these companies. And I, Hey, I'm fine with it. I get it. Um, I think Jawbone Up is a nice product. Down the road, to me, it's a commodity. And that's the fear. From a Wall Street perspective, it's a commodity. GoPro, down the road, it's a camera company. And we take fancy photos and videos with it. Can GoPro prove to me that they're a video company and a media company more so than just a camera company? Because there's a lot of companies in China that can make cameras. Fitbit's expenses are ramping up sharply. Sales and marketing up 300% year-over-year. Research and development up 147% to $22.4 million. Now, that's the first, like, really scary thing that I see. Research and development is only $22.4 million. Um, Apple spits up $22.4 million in a burp. Like... That's going to be a problem. So Fitbit, I don't see them surviving on their own. Could they be a wonderful device maker for something like Google to say, we're going to get into the wearables and we're going to do this? Maybe. Um, but do I see them having a 10-year time horizon? Not so much. But short term, it's very, very sexy because it's a play on two things, wearable devices and personal health. Demand and interest in this, you know, is is robust. Robusto. 
Um, so now we're getting to the point where they disappointed Wall Street. And we're going to have to deal with that. But they're also in a situation where, like, guess what, everyone? We're going to start selling our Fitbits in India. Okay. So we're going to see bigger revenue come down the road, right? According to research, 72.1 million wearable devices will be shipped in 2015. That's up 173% from 2014. And I'm one of those guys wearing it. Um, Fitbit and Jammo, Jami, the Chinese company, are, you know, pushing and propelling the sub $100 brands. I'm a little bit nervous about that. Again, when you compare that to Apple, who's selling a watch for $350, $400, $500, $600, and a band that goes with it for another $50. So Fitbit's going to bring in all their product into India and Next quarter, we're going to hear about how great they're up 900% in India, year over year. Um, and that's part of the game. But just be cautious with that one, because, again, it's musical chairs. Do we think Fitbit's going to change the world? No. Could they be a nice eBay? Like, eBay's no longer on fire. eBay's boring. But they're still around, but it's tough to make money on it. You could have a good year, followed by a bad year. Anyway, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Uh, Yahoo Finance did a story today, and I find it kind of funny because it, it shows you how silly our society is. They did a story, and they asked women in their 20s and 30s, you know, they're, they're financial deal breakers. And they make this one girl just look like a monster. Like, like if he doesn't pay on a first date, there's no second date. If he's got a bad credit score, I'm not going to marry him. I'm not going to be his sugar mama. <laughs> like, where did they find this caricature of, the, you know, the financial deal breakers of women? Oh, my gosh. If, if he, uh, if I earn more than him and he's not comfortable with me, like, oh, deal breaker. <laughs> like, but there are some cliches in our society, right, tied towards money. Um, guys paying on the first date. And there's an incredibly refreshing woman, and these are all women that they're videotaping, who said something just, just wonderful. She goes, I pay on the first date just to switch it up. That is so refreshing, like, just to switch it up, to, you know, throw cliches out the window. Um, I don't know what she does on a second date, because it's not exactly deep media or deep financial uh, sociology studies. It is what it is, so... Anyway, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. Tesla says it sent an update for security flaws found by hackers. Cars getting hacked. Ah, what else do we need to worry about in the world? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more.
visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black. Thanks for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Rob Black Show. Speaking of Twitter, let's bring in Chris Siaccia from thestreet.com, tech editor. Let's talk a little Twitter. How are you, Chris? Good, Rob. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Um, Twitter. Um, stock has been struggling. <clears throat> it's at IPO pricing levels. Uh, who's going to be the CEO? Who's not going to be the CEO? There's a lot of questions out there. Um, what's your recent take on Twitter? I think Twitter is still an incredibly value ser- valuable service. I just don't think either current management, whether it's Jack Dorsey or somebody else with inside the company, can really figure out how to actually really grow users. And I think that they need a bigger company like a Google or somebody like that that can actually take the service and really get it to grow the number of users and have those users stick. Because that's, that's been Twitter's big problem is people try the service and then they don't stick around. They can make tons of money doing this. They just can't grow the user base, and that's, that's the big issue for Twitter as a company right now. Yeah, let's talk personal experiences with Twitter. I love it because it's great for aggregating news stories. I can follow someone like yourself, and I can see everything that you publish. And when you do a radio show on the fly, it's like, hey, it's kind of a great cheat sheet. I see people that use it to follow porn stars. Hey, she's got a new video out. I'll go get that. I see people using it to follow celebrities. Celebrities seem to be a big one. Um, What do you use Twitter for? Yeah, I use Twitter for a whole mess of things. You know, being a journalist, you you can find me at Chris underscore Siachia, shameless plug there. But, you know, I I use it for, you know, following um, other journalists, you know, newsmakers, investors, you know, my favorite sports teams, keeping up with, you know, things that are going on, you know, outside my jurisdiction. Um, so I use it for a whole mess of things. But, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to get the average American to really care about, you know, why they need to know the news right now. And I think that's been Twitter's problem is they can't figure out a way to get the average person, you know, whether it's here or around the world, to, to figure out why they need to stick with the service. And I think that's something that they really need to – that's their, their first major priority of business. It's going to be interesting if they could pull it off because I don't even want to know the news 24-7-365 like my dad did. My dad was a news junkie. I'm not a news junkie. But, again, we know that, like, bin Laden, the news broke there that he was, you know, shot and killed. So Twitter has the resources, and they've got the track record. It's just – it's just not sticky, so you're right about that. Um, anything else we need to know about Twitter? How low do you think it can go before it starts getting the interest of a Google or a Microsoft or an Apple? It's at 27 today. It's at its lowest level ever. Yeah, I think we're rapidly approaching the level where somebody just steps in and says, okay, you do have 300 million people who use the service every month. You know that it, you are got, you're making money and revenue is growing. Advertisers see the benefit of the platform, so I think you know maybe you know 25, 23, somewhere maybe as low as 20 is somebody comes in and stops the bleeding. So we're rapidly approaching those levels, but unless that unless you know Twitter has a white knight, uh, whether it's you know a traditional 
tech company or a big media company or somebody. You know, I just don't see how Jack Dorsey or anybody other, you know, that Twitter hires can really turn it around. Really out of the blue question, but with Twitter technically failing on a stock level versus expectations, Zynga, um, you can name a couple other companies, uh, Yelp falling apart, Pandora not doing great. Has this round of, like, I guess Web 2.0, you know, we can say 96 to 2000 was Web 1.0, 2008 to 2014, Web 2.0, the only winner seems to be Facebook. Am I reading too much into that, or are there other companies that are, like, are they starting to fall apart? Are, they st are there other companies that you think are going to step up? It seems to me there's a lot of weakness in these tech companies. There is a lot of weakness, but I also think that's because you have so many of these companies, and there are, you know, more winners than just Facebook. Take a company like Zillow, for example. They've transformed okay. the way people buy real estate. You know, so there are more examples than just Facebook. But you're right, there are, you know, a bunch of, um, you know, examples where, you know, like Zingo or uh, or Twitter, you know, on a stock level, they're just not performing as well as they as people had hoped for. I call it Internet Superhighway Roadkill. But don't quote me on that. Uh, let's turn the tables and talk Apple. Apple stock has been weak recently. But we know – I saw an analyst downgrade yesterday, Bank of America. And in the analyst downgrade, they said still $130 stock, still capable of delivering, like, dominant performances in music and television and, like, phones. And whatever they want to get into, they can do – be dominant. It was the weirdest downgrade because it was loving – um, Apple TV, we're going to start getting excited about it. Yes, no. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's time to start getting excited, especially as we get near September, which is when Apple is probably going to update the iPhone. You know, I'm expecting them to also update the new Apple TV. That'll have Siri support. It'll have a dedicated app store. And Apple's really been serious about becoming the winner in your living room and i think that the apple tv with a whole bunch of different added functionality can actually help apple do that i mean we still watch a ton of tv whether it's on netflix or traditional tv and we still have to turn the lights off and you know turn the dishwasher on and things like that and i think apple really wants to be the center of the living room and the apple tv that 99 dollars set-top box um or a 79 dollars set-top box excuse me can really be the forefront of that, you know, for Apple. What I've heard about Apple TV, and this is just complete rumor, but I hear they're going to build in a digital antenna so that you can get your local stations, and that kind of ties in with the whole cord-cutting aspect of America, and maybe Apple is playing into that a little bit. But the media companies today that are tied towards cable channels are getting crushed. Um, do you see a parallel or do you see a, you know, it, it can't just be Netflix. There has to be other players that are going to crush the media companies, the Viacoms, the 21st Century Foxes, the Time Warners. They're all getting crushed today as if the cord cutting world just happened. Like it just hit a movement yesterday. Thoughts? Yeah, I'm expecting Apple to unveil their own streaming service, but... They still need those companies to have, you know, their channels on the streaming service. So I don't see, um, com you know, the bigger companies like a Time Warner or Fox or CBS really getting hurt, especially because 
it's their content that these people want. They just don't want the content of some of the other smaller players. Um, so I think, you know, obviously you've seen the carnage and those media names, you know, the past couple of days, and it's continuing today. But I think when all is said and done, I think the only thing that these, you know, quote-unquote skinny bundles or streaming services can really do is be additive simply because it's not like Apple or Google is going to go out and spend billion do- billions of dollars creating their own television shows. They don't want to do that. They'll let the media companies do that and take a cut of the revenue. So the media companies are, are going to be fine when all is said and done. You know, the companies like a Disney or Time Warner or CBS. So, you know, if I'm an investor right now, I'm thinking – if I've got a you know three or five year horizon uh, time horizon, I'm thinking maybe I want to pick up some of those shares of Disney, Time Warner, or some of the other you know big media names. What do you think about the recent weakness in Apple? What's that telling you? I think a lot of it has to do with fears over China. Um, okay. The, we've seen the Chinese stock market become you know incredibly volatile over the past six to eight weeks. So I think the fact that Apple gets you know a, a a huge chunk of their revenue from China. You know, there's some fears going on there. And then maybe there's some fears that, okay, the next iPhone refresh won't be as big as, um, you know, the last one was for Apple with the 6 and the 6 Plus. Then there's some concerns that, okay, maybe the watch isn't that great. It's not selling that well. So I think it's, a you know, a number of different things. But, again, you know, if you're not trading Apple, if you're going to invest in it, you know, with a time horizon of longer than, um, you know, the attention span of somebody on Twitter, then I think you'll do okay at the end of the day. Anything else that you want to add in the world of tech that Chris Siachi, a tech editor of street.com, is seeing? I think the, the big takeaway last night from Tesla's earnings call is this especially um, plays well in the heart of Silicon Valley, is Tesla kind of hinted that they may go after Uber last night and launch their own ride-sharing service. Elon Musk said he did not have a comment to uh, an analyst question about whether an analyst would ju- about whether Tesla would just skip um, going directly to the middleman and launch you know their own ride-sharing service with their you know upcoming autonomous vehicles. Uh, Elon said it was an interesting question, but he didn't want to expand any further. So I think it's interesting that Tesla you know may decide to go after that route. Thanks very much. That's Chris Siaccia with thestreet.com tech editor. I'll post that on Facebook. I'll post it on Twitter. You can find him on Twitter. You can find me at Twitter. My Twitter is Rob Black Show, and I'll get his clip on there um, basically right after this show ends. So good for you to catch up with some of the guests that I have. I typically have four guests a week, and they're typically journalists, um, two journalists and two uh, business insiders. Briefing.com, one economist, one market strategist. You can find out more about me online, Twitter, Rob Black Show, Facebook, I Hate Rob Black, or Cron4, Rob Black, Cron4, Rob Black. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back.
listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Some people in the world of media are calling this week an important week in the world of cord cutting. Stocks of media firms with cable channels are getting hit hard on subscriber losses. And, you know, my goal is to get you to retirement. And I know that sounds like, well, you're the hero of the world. No, it's not that epic. I want to get you to retire with, with enough money to last till the day you die. Social Security is only going to cover maybe 20% of your income needs. And sometimes I'll say things like, hey, if you've got cable TV, then you must be rich. Because I'm trying to say it's uh, 100 to 160 bucks a month for most people. <clears throat> Cut the cord. Um, hold your wife's hand tonight. Go for a walk. Read a book. Go to the library. Um, the library's got movies. So I got whiplash a couple weeks ago at the library, and that was just a movie that kind of won an Academy Award last year, right? Maybe, I don't know. I'm not totally happy in entertainment, so do forgive me. But cable's TV signal is starting to get a little shaky. Disney and ESPN, you've seen them cut a lot of high-profile names, millions of dollars of salaries. The share price of programming giant Time Warner posted only a modest 2% cable subscription fee growth in the second quarter. Their shares fell 9% on that news. Shares of Discovery Communications plunged 12%, even as after the company highlighted its efforts to secure higher fees in what it's called, uh, it called the U.S. TV market challenged. Shares of 21st Century Fox and Viacom fell 7% and 7.5% respectfully, respectively, um, after the reported earnings. So the big impetus for the sell-off is Disney, which on Tuesday uh, cut its earnings growth target for its cable business. So analysts and executives, you know, tried to defend ESPN, but real subscriber losses due to cord cutting and cheaper skinny packages of channels. It's it's happening. So Disney shares were down 9% on Wednesday. It's a little bit lower today as well. For years, ESPN was able to hike the rate that they charged the cable companies, you know, a dollar per subscriber, a dollar fifty per subscriber. It's up to six bucks per subscriber. You could lose six bucks of your cable bill just by somehow losing magically ESPN, but that can't happen for whatever reason. So you're starting to see companies try to work around it and try to like push them out, but it's it's going to be a process. But people think it's the the windfall has happened now. Um. That the change has happened now. Earnings and stock prices have always kind of gone hand in hand for these media companies, pay TV providers, because it's a subscription fee, you know, six bucks a month for ESPN. If the number of subscribers in the ecosystem shrinks substantially due to cord cutting or millennials who are like, you know what, I'd rather have wine and sex tonight on Tinder than see a movie. Or watch TV. Like, things are changing. And the millennials are getting the credit for it, in my opinion. So, the millennials get a bad rap. Shows like Girls on HBO, 
kind of like paints them as like lazy, entitled. They're incredibly smart and they're incredibly self-aware and they're okay having different morals than you and I. Um, now, is ESPN going to completely tank? Probably not. At an ESPN Investor Day last year, Disney touted the operating income would grow at a high single digits compounded annual growth rate to 2000, through 2016. Now, keep in mind, Disney's got the Disney Channel, they've got ABC Family, they've got ABC, they've got ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN University. There's like all these like mind-numbing angles. Um, and I challenge you, go home today and, and like try to watch two minutes of television on every channel that cable's offering you, and you can't do it. There's too many options, and you don't want them. So satellite TV provider um, Dish Networks has started a 20-a-month Sling TV streaming service with its traditional pay TV business. So they're trying to get you to like watch on your phone or watch on your tablet, your pad, your iPad, or your computer, what have you. They know that people aren't sitting in front of the couch anymore, or like they used to. They are cord cutting. Subscriber losses erode per subscriber affiliate fees for the major programmers, and they reduce the number of people who advertisers pay to reach. Companies like Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, and Apple TV, they're killing it. And they're killing cable and satellite subscriptions. And again, it's not going to go to zero. And it's not going to happen in that kind of speed. But you're going to see the quality of programming go down because there's just not the quality of advertisers. The advertisers aren't getting the, qual the, the quantity of numbers they used to get. And you can look at something like Time Warner and I mean, look at the channels they have. CNN, TBS, TNT. All of those guys get paid by the cable companies. So when, per subscriber, so when that subscriber goes away, all of those channels lose funding. Um... And again, good economy, bad economy, that's going to play into it for sure. Uh, if you can't afford cable, <laughs> you can't afford cable. But it also sets you up to find other services like Hulu and Netflix that might you know, eat into it. To offset declines in younger viewers, big media companies like Comcast, NBC, Universal, Disney, 21st Century, they've been exploring partnerships with new media companies. So NBC Universal just got a $250 million investment in BuzzFeed, which is a web publisher known for creating viral hits. So down the road, will Google and YouTube and Vimeo and BuzzFeed, will they be the new cable channels? They're going to be part of the ecosystem for sure. You know, there's people on YouTube who make millions of dollars that kids are watching, and you're like, you don't even know who these media people are. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.